here in this series about legacy, we've keyed in on one particular word, and that is inheritance. The word inheritance is what we've keyed in on, and, and here's the primary thought. One generation's inheritance is the previous generation's sacrifice. And any generation that is unwilling to sacrifice reduces the inheritance of the next. And so here's our challenge. We know sitting here today, how many of you sitting here today know that somebody sacrificed for you to be here today? Hopefully everybody raised your hand because somebody did. All right? You may not have known all the names, but somebody did it. How many of us accept the challenge to be willing to sacrifice for the generation that's following us? Amen? Are we going to sacrifice for them? We see these kids standing up here, the future leaders of the church. They're actually the leaders now. You know that, right? They're leading now. Um, they get you here on time. Because they're like, hey, get up. I don't want to be late for bridge, kids. Y'all got to get to church. But they are a generation willing for us to make a sacrifice for. So I pray that you'll accept that challenge. If you want sermon notes, let me just mention this. Of any of the previous messages, you can... Um, Send an email to info at bridgechurch.cc and request the Goldsboro Campus Manuscript. I'd be happy to send you the notes, what I preach from today. Uh, you're more than welcome to have it. You can get the outline. Also, I want to make sure that everybody knows you can, on your phone, go to the Bible app. If you have the Bible app, version is the version of the Bible that we're talking about. You can go there. Go down to the bottom right-hand side, click on More, and it will find, when you have locator services on, it will find that you are at the bridge in Goldsboro. How cool is that? And when you click on that, it will pull up all the sermon notes um, or the sermon outline that I'm preaching from today. So you will have that. You'll have access to that, and that will be available to you. So um, last week, we talked about our national legacy. This week, we're going to talk about multi-generational legacy, that we're a multi-generational church. It's God's design that we be a multi-generational church. See, the guys on the video this morning were a part of a legacy. They're a part of Jared's legacy. The man that stands on this stage today is part of a legacy. I'm part of the legacy of Whitley Church in the bridge. You are a part of the legacy here today. And so this is God's design. We know that because we look in Psalm 127. In Psalm 127, verse 1, it says, Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. So what does that mean? The house, the word for house here in the Hebrew is baith or baith. And it means generations of a household. See, oftentimes when we read this passage of Scripture, we view this, uh, that this is the people who are living in the house currently. The people who live here now, unless God builds the house that I'm living in right now, it's builders labor in vain, but that's not what it's talking about. It says unless God builds the house, unless God builds this thing, unless we invite him in, not just in our generation, but in generations to come that will follow year after year, decade after decade, the labor is in vain. See, we have to see it in terms of Exodus 3 and 6. God said he is the God of who? Who is he the God of? Abraham, the God of, and the God of, that's a multi-generational vision. He is a God of multiple generations. He is calling us to serve in a way 
that we reach multiple generations. See, we're not just a church that's only about the kids. There's a lot of churches out that are, that are like that. You've got a church that's all 20-somethings, or it's a church that's all 40 and 50-somethings, or a church that's all elderly. I see every generation represented here today. And I want to thank you for that. I thank God that I'm a part of a church that reaches multiple generations. And I want to brag on you today. You know, we're in a time of transition as a church. We are the bridge. We are one church, three locations. we got a lot going on right now. But we have one of our very own at the Goldsboro campus. Mr. Dick Marino went into the hospital this week. Had to go into ICU. And you guys showed up big time. You guys came out there. Many of you that heard about it, you went to the hospital. Many of you prayed for him. And can I tell you something? Who is the church? Where is the Bridge Goldsboro right now? They're right here, right? So, in 35 minutes, by faith, glory to God, where will the Bridge Goldsboro be? Out into our community. The church is going to leave the building. This is a tool. Thank the Lord it is an air-conditioned tool. But this is a tool that God uses here in the city of Goldsboro to reach people for Jesus. We are the church. You were the church. On July the 4th, people cooking hot dogs and hamburgers and everything else. I was on my way to Georgia. I wasn't even in town. Mr. Dick went into the hospital, and people from this campus just, just flooded the hospital. I had a lady tell me today. She said, I went to the ER, and they said, I'm sorry. If you're here to see that man, you can't go. Because there's six people back in that room right now. And she said, hey, that's fine. As long as somebody's back there loving on him and taking care of him, that's all I care about. And the nurse said, could you tell the rest of them that? Because the man needs rest, and they need to leave him alone. So, but I am so thankful for the way you love. I'm so thankful that you get this multi-generational vision. Did God know when he ordained Whitley Church 99 years ago? 99 years ago when this church began as a brush arbor. Many of you don't even know what that is. It's basically a shelter with limbs for a roof and no sides. That's how it started in a revival service. Uh, almost 100 years ago. And those people who stood in that place that day, they didn't know it, but God knew. They were ordained to be in the place they were because 99 years later, you would be sitting in the seat you're sitting in. You would be hearing the message that you're hearing. 99 years from now, if the Lord tarries, you play a role in making a difference in the generations that will follow, that will sit in these seats, that will ride to church in hovercrafts. I don't know how they'll get there. They're going to beam them up. I don't know, you know, what will happen in 99 years. But I know this, we got a part of being, or, or we have an opportunity to be a part of something amazing. Thousands of people have come to know Jesus since that 99-year humble beginning. Thousands of people have sacrificed time and talent to make an eternal difference in generations that have come through this church. But here's the sad reality. In many churches, it isn't the case. In many churches, uh, there are aging members 
who have a lifetime of experience and wisdom and they're unable to make room or unwilling to make room for somebody else to come in. I don't want them to come in because they look different than we do or they talk different than we do or they, you know, they've got a tattoo and I don't have a tattoo or whatever the case may be. I'm telling you, God has a purpose for every church. And then you've got younger churches who think old folks are like dinosaurs and they couldn't possibly have anything to share with me of any value. Psalm 127 says we're wasting our time if we don't build a multi-generational church with God at the center. Every generation, hear me, Bridge Goldsboro, every generation from the youngest to the oldest has a purpose and is needed in this church. We get it. We have a legacy. Royal Ranger Color Guard last week and, and our Color Guard that was here from the military. Bridge kids helping him worship. Babies being born all the time. I saw, where's, where's Miracle? I'm going to embarrass her. Miracle. Miracle's about to pop back there. She's about to have another baby. And we got other people having babies. And man, we're so excited that we got folks with babies. It makes me sad when we have a Sunday. We don't have babies in the nursery. Now, I know all the nursery workers are going, thank you, Jesus. We don't have no babies today. We want babies in the nursery because we got young families coming to the church. But we want senior saints coming too. There is a place for you at the bridge and then for those in between. And, and really, that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about all those different generations. I want you to think about, you know, we talk about a 99-year history here at the bridge. Think about folks that are in our church that are 90 years old. People that, in our, that are in our church, Miss Minnie Williford has been coming to the church for 84 years. She goes to the Princeton campus. She'll be 90 years old in September. Can you imagine the change that she has seen when flannel graph came out? And it was cutting edge. It was the greatest thing ever. It was a wonderful teaching tool. And then they said, we don't need flannel graph anymore. And she's like, but I, she never said this to me, but I like flannel graph. Flannel graph is awesome. Can you imagine the incredible courage and vision and unselfishness that it takes for someone who has seen 90 years of change come through the church. That's incredible. I hope I am that courageous. I hope I'm that unselfish. Because there's stuff I like now. There's stuff I like. I remember in the church I grew up in, I remember when they started putting the words on the wall. What? Why in the world are you doing it? We got perfectly good hymnals right here, and I'm not busting on hymnals. But I kind of got used to the words on the wall. I kind of like them now, you know, because I'm able to look up toward heaven and worship Jesus. It's not as far travel as it is from looking down at a book and going like that. But I think about the change. But I want us to think about three primary groups. And if we were talking about a natural family, we'd talk about children and parents and grandparents. But in terms of the spiritual family, age is not near as important as maturation is, maturity. 
Because I see young people who are mentoring older folks all the time. So it's not so much that as it is a spiritual maturity. So we're going to talk about three things today. We're going to, first of all, talk to the current generation of leaders. And that's the parents in the room. Then we're going to talk to the, to the older generation. And some very specific roles that you as men and women have as it, as it relates to your responsibility to the younger generation. And then we're going to challenge both of you to the emerging generation, the generation that's coming up. And what has God called us to do there? So first of all, let's look at the current generation's role in a multi-generational ministry. The first thing you're called to do is value the older generation. We've got to value, guys, the older generation. Now, this sounds basic. And you may say, man, I don't even know why we would even talk about that. But we live in a culture that discards the elderly. We put greater value on young and cutting edge and all this stuff. What, what's, what's the newest and latest and greatest thing? I've got more iPods and iPads and iPhones that aren't worth a nickel right now in my house than I can shake a stick at because in six months they are obsolete and that you need a new thing and you're like well my, my school of thought initially was I'm just gonna keep those things in good condition and we're just gonna keep them working until you know they don't work anymore well the problem is after a while Apple sends me a message and says I'm sorry but we can't support your dinosaur device anymore because it, 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 nothing will work on it. And so you can't do that. And we tend to do that. We tend to look at the older generation and, and we don't put as much value. We put higher value on youth and appearance and achievement. Get up late at night. I don't know what happened. If I ever can't sleep and I just turn on a major network, there's always some kind of skincare product infomercial on the television. So you can look younger. Put it under here and it will make all those wrinkles go away. It is unbelievable. Listen, all that's going to happen. Anyway, we can fight it. We can be against it. We can fuss at it. We can buy every cream and lotion we can get our hands on. We're going to get older. And the things that we put value on, youth and appearance and achievement... They decrease with age. They do not increase. My dad, I was just with him just a few days ago. He does not care if he is cutting edge. He does not care if his shirt is cool. <laughs> He's 83 years old. He wants to know what mom's cooking for lunch. That's what he cares about. He's thankful when he feels good. He cares about the fact that his family's doing okay. And his kids are all right. And everybody's safe. And everybody is hardworking and got a good job and making a good living and providing for their family. He cares about what? Stuff that really matters. He cares about our relationship with Jesus. Is it intact? Are we living the way we should? Are we honoring God the way He's called us to honor? See, Job 
Chapter 12, verse 12 says, Wisdom, or is not wisdom, found among the aged. Does not long life bring understanding? And I would say to you, yes, it does. But see, a lot of people have the, they take the attitude that this young fella took that got on an airplane. He sat beside an older gentleman. And when he sat down beside him, he said, Hey, sir, can we play a game to make the time go by faster? And what do you think that older guy said? Can you just leave me alone so I can sleep? I don't want to play a game. He said, No, man, let's play a game. He said, I'll tell you what. He thought he was a pretty smart guy. He said, We'll ask a series of questions of one another. He said, And... Um, if, you, if I ask you a question and you don't know the answer, you give me $5. And if you ask me a question and I don't know the answer, because I know pretty much everything, I'll give you $500. I was like, well, okay. I guess, I mean, I'm sitting here. I can't go anywhere. So he asked the first question. He said, tell me something, older gentleman. How far is the earth from the sun? Older gentleman didn't even bat an eye. He pulled his wallet out, got a $5 bill, and handed it to him. All right, this man's going to make him some money today. So he looks at the older gentleman. The older gentleman says, okay, I got one for you. He said, what goes uphill on three legs and down the hill on four? The guy got his phone out. He Googled it. And he's like, man, I don't know. He emailed some friends. He called some people. Have no idea. $500. So it came his turn again. He said, sir, it's eating me up. I got to know, what is it that goes uphill on three legs and down on four? Guy pulled out his wallet, gave him $5, and went to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Don't be thinking more highly of yourself than you should, because you might lose $500. <laughs> When it comes to life lessons, they're learned two ways. They're learned from our own experience, and they're learned from others. And we can learn. Can't we learn from good and bad experiences? Absolutely, we can. I, I mean, I think about, again, being, being home. I went down into the garden with my, with my dad, and he is a master tomato plant grower. He grows a tomato plant about eight foot tall. I've never seen anything like it. And I can't even get my arms around it. And so Daddy comes down there, and I, he didn't get me up, but I, I got up out of the bed, and I went down to the garden, and I said, Daddy, I want you to tell me how you do this. Because Daddy's 83 years old. Daddy's not going to be planting tomatoes much longer. But as long as he's planting tomatoes, I'm going to be down there with him, and I'm going to be gleaning wisdom from him. I want to know how you do this. Because, one, my wife is fussing at me all the time going, your daddy is a king tomato grower, and you don't even know how to do it. What is the matter with you, you know? So I want to glean wisdom from him. But I also want to have that time with him. I want to be able to invest and make those memories. So I learn from the, the good things that he can give to me, that, he can, that my mother-in-law can share with me, that my mom can share with me. I want to glean those things. But we can also learn from bad experiences, can't we? We got a gentleman that's here that uh, leads our Celebrate Recovery ministry. His name is Jay Alfin. Jay went on a blind date. And Jay, on that blind date, was asked if he wanted to try cocaine. He did. 
because he wanted to get in good graces with the young lady he was on a date with. He had some impure motivation. A little bit later, said, eh, it wasn't really his thing, but he did it. They liked it. They enjoyed hanging out, whatever. But he didn't really go out with that girl much anymore. Well, it was a few weeks later, a guy called him and said, hey, man, you want to make some money? Because that stuff you were just using, you can make some money with that. Hmm. All right, I'll give it a shot. So he went out started making money. Well, he told his mama when he got busted, he said, one of my buddies turned me in. He rolled over on me. He got me in trouble. And now I'm facing trial and imprisonment. You know what his mama said to him? You couldn't have gotten in trouble if you weren't dealing cocaine. He got sentenced to 28 years in prison. His lawyer told him the most you'll get is 28 months. 28 years. He served seven. His first year in, he was in a stairwell. And he almost got the life beat out of him in that stairwell. Got jumped by some guys, went to fighting, broke his nose, busted him all to pieces. He said he got up and he went into the bathroom and he looked in the mirror and he asked himself this question. He said, what am I doing with my life? What have I become? And he said, in that moment, he said, God, if you'll take me, I'll give my life to you. I'll surrender my life. Now, he spent six more years in prison. See, a lot of people think, now, I'm going to come to Jesus, and then all that's going to go away. God's going to just, he forgives. How many of you know there are natural consequences to sin? <laughs> we all know that because we've done some pretty dumb things and gone, mm, oh Lord, you know. But God, He forgave. We still had to endure. We still had to go through whatever it was that consequence served out. Well, 28 year prison sentence, seven years, He was released. He now owns a business in LaGrange. He's married, got a beautiful family. As I said, is serving in the church. And just a couple of weeks ago, he, he taught and preached at a youth conference that we had here in the community. He gets speaking engagements all over the place to come and share his story. Now, I can hear that story, and I can go, you know what? Guess what I learned from that story? I ain't going to do that. I'm not going on a blind date. A, bad idea as a married man. Um... But a uh, real bad idea, that little lady had hurt me, um, and it's wrong. But two, I didn't want y'all to think it's just because I was scared of her. I do know it's wrong. So, <laughs> But two, um, I don't want to face those consequences. Now, the young people that are here in earshot of my voice, they may hear that and say, oh, that's old man. Try and tell a story that'll scare me. That man went to prison when he was a young man. He wasn't an old man. Listen and learn from those that are older than you. When you hear about a bad experience, heed it. But here's the tragedy, guys. Many current generation leaders and 
Folks that are in our generation are so busy running around trying to figure out everything on our own that we don't take the time to stop and ask the question, hey, um, is there a better way that we might be able to do this? To glean wisdom from someone that's been maybe just a little farther down the road. You think somebody that's a little older than you might know some stuff you don't know and you might get there a little quicker than they did because you didn't reinvent the wheel. So we got to do that. We got to sit at the feet of those who've already learned. And then the second thing we got to do is we got to teach the emerging generation to value the older generation. We talked about that in that joke. He had no he placed no value in the older generation and he got taken. Proverbs 17:6 says, "Grandparents are proud of their grandchildren, and children should be proud of their parents." The generational link there is the current generation. We got to teach our kids to honor the older generation, to give them and show them respect. And how do we do that? How do we teach the younger generation to say, "Yes, sir, yes, ma'am, no, sir, no, ma'am?" Even aunt and uncle. I'm blown away. I've got a nephew. And I love him, and he is as sweet as he can be. But he calls me Andy. I'm not Andy to you. You little pip squeak. <laughs> I'm Uncle Andy. I have lived on this earth a long time. And he goes, What's up, Andy? How you doing, Andy? Hey, Andy. Hey, Andy. I, when he first started doing it, I just sat there. I was like, I'm not answering you because you ain't talking to me. I'm Uncle Andy. Come on, dude. Well, he ain't quit, so I just had to start answering him. So. But how do we show the younger generation? How does the current generation do that? How do we do it? It's real simple. We model it. We model it. We say, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. A lot of people, I, you know, I grew up in, in the South. I grew up in Georgia. and I, I would call, I was taught to call people if they were older than me. Luke is, a, we're about the same age, but if Luke was, uh, was older than me, I would, say, I would call him Mr. Luke. Mr. Luke. And I do that. And I do that now sometimes, and people look at me, and they're like, dude, I am not Mr. Just call me whatever my name is, and I can't do it. It just is. I think my mama is going to walk out from around the corner and start whopping me in the back of the head. Don't you disrespect them. But we teach the younger generation by modeling it. And I'm telling you, they're watching. Okay? Now, that might not be a big deal to you, and I'm not saying that that's right or wrong, but I will tell you this. My mom told me a long time ago, she said, if you will respect people and be respectful to them, it'll get you a long way in this world. And I'm not the smartest man in the room. I understand that. But I've been on this planet for 47 years, and what I have found out is that there's a lot of truth in that. A lot of truth. So then secondly, what's the older generation's role? We've seen the current generation's role. What's the older generation's role? Well, we find it in Titus chapter 2. Older men are to teach younger men, and older women are to teach younger women. And here are the five things. That the older men are to teach the younger men. We're going to look at the passage of Scripture. And we're going to park here for just a minute and kind of walk through that. The younger men 
are to teach, the, or teach older men to exercise self-control. To be worthy of respect, to live wisely, they must have sound faith and be filled with love and patience. So in order for the older man to teach the younger man, the first thing the older man's got to do is he's got to exercise self-control. By the time you reach spiritual grandfather stage in life, hopefully you've been through enough in life to know that everything in this life isn't eternal. And that everything in this life isn't an emergency. It isn't the end of the world. It isn't going to be a thing that just devastates you. If, if one little thing goes wrong and i got to make an admission and God was teaching me a lesson. How many of you know that you're not the only one that learns lessons when you come here and listen to these sermons on Sunday morning? When I'm preparing these sermons, I learn some lessons myself. So this week we're going on a road trip. And I just bought my wife maybe about a year ago. We just got her a little Honda Accord. And my son, you know, everybody wears earbuds when they're traveling on the highway and we're listening to different podcasts and things like that. And so my son says, he tells me this. I never heard him say it, but he said, he told me that the seat was broken in the car. Well, I walk up to the car while he's out there messing with it. And, and he's, he is in the back seat of the car. And he is beating on the thing so hard that the whole car is shaking. And I'm thinking, I just bought this car, and my son is just beating the life out of it. You know, he's pounding on the back seat because he's trying to get the back seat to go down because the cushion has come up. Well, me and him kind of go at it a little bit, and I'm sort of fussing, and son, you need to be more careful, and you need to whatever, and I'm a little bit... I get a little bit jacked up. I call the Honda place when we get home. Hey, I got this little clip in the back seat. It's, I, I looked it up on YouTube. Hey, YouTube is an awesome thing, isn't it? I'm telling you, I'm the most mechanically uninclined person on the face of the earth, and YouTube makes me look like a rock star, I'm telling you. I go on YouTube, oh, it's a very common problem. You just go and get this clip, and yada, yada, yada. Great. Call the Honda place. I'm thinking, man, they're going to eat my lunch on this cliff. I'm going to take it out and put it in myself. I don't have any idea how much the part's going to cost. So I'm just sitting here thinking, man, he broke this thing, and he's, I can't believe he did that. Call him up. Yes, sir, we got that. It'll be a next-day order. It'll come in on Saturday. Um, it'll be $4.59, sir. I hung up the phone. I said, Lord, forgive me. I got that upset over a $4.59 part. I ended up going to the Honda place yesterday. It was $2.99. They had reduced the price for whatever reason. I don't know why, but God was like, See, son, it isn't the end of the world. Calm down. Exercise self-control. I'm telling you, y'all, I'm going to quote Pastor Farrell right now. Y'all look so holy sitting there looking back at me. But I know that y'all have to do this too. Secondly, we got to be worthy of respect. Older guys, older ladies, well, older men, this is who this is talking to. Older men, you got to be worthy of respect. How do you get respect? How do we get respect? we got to give it, right? 
I get a measure of respect because I'm dad or because I'm Pastor Andy or whatever. But I get the most respect because I give respect. You got to give it to get it. So be worthy of respect. And then thirdly, live wisely. I am so grateful for the people that God has put in my life that has shown me how to make good choices, to live wisely, to make good decisions. I also used to hear this all the time growing up. And teenagers, if you're in the house and you have heard this, I just want your mama and daddy to know something. They are becoming your grandparents. But my mama always said to me, there ain't nothing after midnight you need to be out for. If anything's going on after midnight, you don't need to be in it anyway. You need to be in to bed. Alright? And I thought that was the worst thing ever. And I could not believe that my mom told me that. But there's so much truth in it. I will never get jumped at 2 o'clock in the morning. Because I am always in the bed. <laughs> Unless y'all sneak in the window and then that can happen. But. And then fourthly, sound faith. We must have sound faith, a solid, firm foundation. I'm not talking about being preachy or pushy, but what I'm talking about is standing for something. Letting your family see your prayer life, your worship life. That your faith is a firm foundation of your life. And then lastly, to be filled with love and patience. Mm. You know, it's tempting when our kids are learning how to do something is so tempting to step in and say son let me just let me show you how to do that right here and, and I don't let them make mistakes one because I just want it done but two I'm impatient but the only way they're going to learn is by doing it how did I learn how did you learn in the process of learning did you ever make a mistake did you ever make one? My little brother and a buddy of his worked on a, an international scout. Does anybody know what an international scout is? It looks like i got a few people that know. It's kind of a, it's an SUV, basically. But it, it, way back in the day, they were fixing the thing up. They put big old wheels on it and had it all jacked up. They were doing all this stuff and... They finally, after months of working on the International Scout, they had it ready to go. And they were so proud. I mean, they, they had done all the work themselves. Dads didn't step in. They didn't do anything. They said, all right, it's go time. I'm going to crank the Scout. We're going to go mudding this afternoon. They go and crank up the Scout. Put it in gear. Drop it in second. Get in third. Get out on the highway. And all of a sudden, they hear the most horrendous banging and clanging of metal that they have ever heard in their life. And they had put everything together. But the one thing they forgot to do was to put the, the nuts and bolts of the fan in place and lock it down. And that fan went through that radiator like it was nothing. Like it was uh, butter through a hot butter knife. We make mistakes. And we have to remember they're going to make mistakes too. So then for the older ladies. Now, the older ladies in the house, 
I'm not sure how to identify you. I guess I could identify you this way. Could all the older women stay in the room? <laughs> See, there we go. We're safe. Older women, similarly, in verse 3, teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. So what are the older women taught not to do? Not to slander, right? Now, I don't think this is just a gender-specific thing. I know it is something that the Bible says specifically for the women here, but I know plenty of men who can get in a gossip triangle or a circle and make a mess of some stuff. We are not to slander. Before we complain about somebody else, we must take a pause. Because here's the facts. Great people talk about ideas. Average people talk about events. Small people talk about other people. That's what small people do. Don't be small. Talk about events, talk about ideas, encourage, build up. If you don't have anything nice to say, thank you very much. Don't shrivel up as you get older and develop a critical spirit. I was in a restaurant the other day and I watched this, this older gentleman, and I don't think he meant anything by it. I don't think I think he I I want to believe he was trying to be helpful, but he just went about it the wrong way. He wanted, a, he wanted a little cup of sauce for a meal that he had bought. And the gentleman that was waiting on the table didn't speak good English and he couldn't really understand him that well. And this man just went on and on and on. No, no. And the guy would try to tell him what he was saying. No, that's not what I'm talking No, I'm not talking No. Just interrupting again and again and again. And I was, I mean, I was three or four tables away and it was so loud I could hear from where I was sitting. Well, then he walked off, and I'm like, well, finally, maybe this guy will just leave this fellow alone. A poor guy's doing the best he can. He comes back, and he feels the necessity to say, now, young man in the future, don't say you know something when you don't. Now, is there some good counsel there? Is, is it good counsel not to say, yeah, I know something when I don't really know something? Sure. Is that the right way to do that? There's the right way to do something and that is doing it with the right person in the right spirit at the right place and the right time and you can really really mess up and that guy the waiter turned around to me after that gentleman said that to him he looked at me he rolled his eyes nothing that gentleman said got through to him because the guy was so critical I mean you're going to make that big a deal about some sauce come on clearly you don't have any problems in this world because this is messing you up so much and then it says don't slander others or be heavy drinkers and maybe the heavy drinkers came with don't be a heavy drinker because when you do that you might slander somebody I don't know it's kind of weird that it's there but don't do that I, I don't know that I need to expound on that right there instead teach others what is good 
Older generation ladies, teach others what is good. You have a unique opportunity to influence. Use it wisely. Don't be too aggressive or it won't be received. Don't be too passive or it won't be heard. Tell the truth. Tell those that come after you that the truth that has stood the test of time, the most beautiful thing that I get to see, one of the things that was such a blessing for me with, with my mother-in-law is here today is, is when we had children. Every time we had a... If you've had children in this room and have had your mom or your, your mother-in-law be able to come and stay a few days with you or maybe a few weeks with you right after that child was born. Was that a blessing or what? That's a blessing. I'm telling you. It's a wonderful thing. I don't have a clue. I put our first child in the back seat of an automobile in Wilson County, looked back at her, looked up at that nurse and said, that lady ain't got a clue what I don't know. Or she'd never put this child in this car because <laughs> I don't have a clue what I'm doing. Thank the Lord for the older generation that's able to come in and say, all right, it's going to be okay. They can cry. It won't kill them. <laughs> you take that pacifier away. They'll cry for that, but you ain't got to give it back because it won't kill them either. You don't see them walking around 30 years old with one in their mouth. I mean, they're going to be okay. Teach them what is good. My, I had an aunt who modeled Christ and contentment on a greater level than anybody I ever knew. I was 17 years old and I would go to her house and sit down and talk to her about the things of God. What a blessing. I, I pray that I am that kind of older generation leader. So the current generation leaders, you parents out there, you folks that want to be parents, you aunts or uncles, value the older and teach the younger to value the older generation. The older generation teach and role model godly values and wise living. And then a challenge for both of us. For my generation and the older generation. And my kids think I am the older generation. I challenge us to listen to the emerging generation. Listen. The temptation that we have is to share our vast wisdom when what our kids really want us to do is just listen. I got in a, a very heated discussion with one of my children recently. And in that conversation, after much exasperation, I looked at her and I said, What do you want from me? You know what she said? I just want you to listen. I don't want you to tell me what I should do. I don't want you to fix it. Daddy, I just want you to listen. And that's what we got to do. There are a lot of Davids on the backside of the desert keeping sheep right now. But one day, they will be kings. I want to listen to them. I want to love them. And I want to guide them. And I want to care for them properly. But I'm telling you, we have an opportunity. Luke 6.45 says, Good people bring good things out of the good they stored in their hearts, but evil people bring evil things out of the evil stored in their hearts. People speak the things 
that are in their hearts. I am who I am, and I have done what I've done because I have had people in my life that have spoke good, that have looked at me and said, I believe in you, and I know you can do anything that you set your mind to. Don't listen to those with evil in their heart who want to share evil and foster that in your life. But listen to those who have good things to share and are an encouragement to you. You guys have been so awesome. I know the air is not working because it is, it is hot enough to tan meat right now. <laughs> But we're almost done. I see y'all doing this. Proverbs 13, 22. A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. But a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. Inheritance, that word right there, nakal, is more than money. It's legacy. We got to leave a legacy. When we take a multi-generational view of the church, we realize that everyone must sacrifice. That we all give in and on our little preferences to be part of something special. How many of you know you're not always going to get what you want? It isn't always going to be exactly your preference. But if it makes an impact, if it makes a difference in the life of your child. We did a particular paint job on one of the rooms at, the, at one of the facilities and one of our elders walked into that room one day and he said, I don't like this. I don't understand why we had to do it. I don't understand why we spent the money on it. And our executive pastor was with him and he, he stopped and he looked up and he said, I understand that. I get that you don't like it. He said, let me ask you something. He said, your 21-year-old son, will he like it? He said, yeah. He said, I get it not always going to be about our preference it's not always going to be about it but if we can use a method to reach someone for Jesus not changing the message then it's worth it I'm not saying every method's worth it but there may be methods that aren't your preference we got to remember this that everyone isn't in the same stage of development we're all in different places but we all have a role our roles will change. But all of our roles are needed. We're runners in a relay race. The greatest relay teams in the world will never win a race if they refuse to pass the baton. Will you pass the baton? We're poised to pass it on to a generation that's coming behind us. And I pray that they find us faithful. Father, that is our challenge today. Find us faithful, Lord. As a church that loves every generation. That the older generation would look to the younger and encourage, motivate. And share wisdom with them. And I pray that the younger generation, God. Take the time to stop and sit down with those that have been on this earth just a little bit longer. Say, I'm having, I'm having trouble with this particular thing, and I just wanted to ask your advice. 
what would you do in this circumstance? God, help us understand we're all in this thing together. We're on this journey together, and we're not, Lord, connected the way we are by chance. You brought us together. You ordained every person that is in this room today to be in this place. Lord, if we've become bitter as part of the older generation, forgive us. If we've become impatient, we're not leading well as the current generation, forgive us. If as the emerging generation we refuse to listen because we think we're so much smarter than everybody else around us, forgive us, God. The fear of the Lord. That is where wisdom begins. Help us honor you. We're talking about making good decisions generationally. Because we want a good inheritance for those that are coming behind us. My prayer, God, my prayer this morning is that we would give the legacy to our families of Jesus. That we would trust you. That we would serve you. That we would reverence you with our life. God, let it be that we would be the church says we're going to keep Christ at the center of our families. We're going to keep Christ in the center of everything we do. And in the way we raise our children and love the people that are around us, the family that you've put in our life, God, we're going to love them in a way that brings honor to you, Lord. Because at the end of the day, ultimately, our legacy is Jesus. If you've never received Him into your heart, and you've never asked Him to come into your life, I pray that today would be the day. And you would say, yes, I want to follow Him. I want to serve Him with my life. Lord, I pray that we would say yes to Him. And that you would find us faithful. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.